Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Intentional Living series, which talks about approaching every day with purpose. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Well, we're coming back this morning into our series, Intentional Living, and... um, Excuse me, it's been a great series so far. Uh, I, hope, I hope you've learned something. I hope you've grown. Of course, the first week, we looked at the, the idea of intentionally growing. And the whole, the whole purpose of the series is helping us understand that there's a lot of people, uh, they know what Christianity kind of looks like. You know, they, well, I was raised in church, or, you know, my grandpa read the Bible to me. We kind of know what Christianity might look like, but we don't know what it really looks like in day-to-day life. And there's a lot of people, they know principles of Christianity. Christianity, but not how to apply them to your daily living. Uh, but here's the truth, that God desires that his word uh, would not only be something that we know, but that it would be something that we live out, that we intentionally live out a life as a Christian. And that's what the whole series is about, helping us be intentional about living day in and day out as God would have us to live. And so we look at the idea of intentionally growing. And the whole thought we had with that message was there's a lot of Christians They say, you know, I wish that I could pray like them. I wish I could be close to God like them. I wish I could have joy like them. And so many of us, we kind of focus on other Christians wanting their form of Christianity. But what we need to realize is that all it takes is you and I taking steps of growth. It takes takes steps. Listen, it takes just simple steps of saying, you know what? I'm going to get serious about this. I'm going to be intentional. And so we looked at the idea of intentionally growing, taking steps of growth. Stop, listen, stop wishing for someone else's Christianity and start taking steps of growth. And then that second week, we looked at the idea not only of intentional growth, but we looked at intentionally giving and understanding that God desires that we would give our life back to him, that we would recognize that he is the owner and I am the steward. And so if I'm going to give anything to him, my time, my talents, my treasure, if I'm going to give anything to him, I have to be intentional about it. The third message we looked at was under the series Intentional Living, but the message title was Intentionally Dying. And we looked at Romans chapter number six to realize that so many Christians every day don't understand that God desires that you and I would be conquerors over sin. You don't have to be bound by the sin that you've been bound by. And if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, the Bible says that you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. He says that you and I, we now live under grace. And I love how Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1, knowing grace. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall they that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And the simple fact is this, that God gives you and I victory. One of my most favorite passages in all the word of God is Romans chapter 8, where it says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, For I know I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things uh, um, to come. And and it continues on saying that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are permanently his 
And if I am permanently his, I need to understand I don't need to step back into my old life of sin. Last week, of course, I wasn't here, but my dad preached the simple truth about intentionally serving. You know, a lot of Christians, they want to serve God, but they don't take steps in serving him. Well, I want to use my life for God. Intentionally serving doesn't mean that I'm going to become a pastor or go into ministry. It just means that I'm going to use my life on purpose for him. I'm going to use my life on purpose for the Lord. And we talked last week about this idea of intentionally serving, intentionally serving the Lord, waking up every day and desiring to use my life for him. This morning, we're going to go to Revelation chapter number two, and we're going to learn a lesson from the Apostle John uh, out of the book of Revelation. So I want you to stand with me, if you would. Revelation chapter two, you can use the Bible there in front of you, uh, or you can look on the screen, have the verses up here. Revelation chapter two, and we're going to read verse one down through verse number five. And you read quietly in your heart while I read out loud. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1 through verse number 5. Here's what the word of God says. Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and how hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The word of God given to John for one of the seven churches of Revelation, the church at Ephesus. Now, while this is written to the church at Ephesus, I believe there's a great challenge to you and I as individuals. And so I want us to understand this morning that while we read, and this is written again to the church at Ephesus, that we need to know this is written to us as individuals. And it's a great place in Scripture where we're going to get what I'm calling a spiritual health checkup, a spiritual health checkup. So I want to start with a word of prayer and then get in the Word of God today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, when I ask you just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask God to speak to you? And you can pray something simple. God, please speak to me. God, please speak to me. And then make a commitment that you're listening to him. God, if you speak to me today, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, we come before you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for its truths. Lord, I pray that right now you would capture our attention. God, I pray that you'd help us to understand that the preaching of your word, Father, is one of the most important things that we have to do today. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to tune in. God, I pray that you'd help us to understand that you have a message, not from a pastor, but from your word to our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use the next few moments to challenge us and to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. 
You know, I don't know too many people that actually enjoy going to the doctor. Uh, I, know, I don't know too many people that enjoy a health uh, checkup. I know that I've never really enjoyed going to the doctors, but my disdain for doctors started when I was about 10 years old. And here's why. When I was 10, I had a sports hernia. I played basketball and had a sports hernia. And so I was going to have to go in for surgery for my sports hernia. And when I went in for surgery, the nurse that was supposed to give me the IV, I didn't know this then, I do now, but she was in training. You've already guessed it. So she said, well, let's, let's go ahead and get this IV. And so she took my left arm, and, or my right arm, one of them, and, and she took her little needle, which I hate needles anyway, and she went, poke. Oops. Oops. I missed the vein. I'm going to have to do it again. Oh, all right. Long story short, she poked me 11 times. And then the head nurse came in and poked me two more times to actually find the vein. Now listen, it's not like you couldn't see veins on my body. At that time, my sisters called me Kermit, and they called me Kermit for a reason. Not because I could do the voice, but because I was super, super skinny, and you could just see the veins. They poked me 13 times to find a vein. They ended up having to splint my arms and my wrists with these little uh, styrofoam splints because if I bent them, I was going to burst veins because they had done so much. So here I was, 10 years old, about to go in for surgery, thinking, I hate the doctor. (laughs) And that was my first opportunity to realize I don't like going to the doctor. My next opportunity, I was 14 years old. I broke my wrist. While I go to the doctor, and I think I've told the story before, and I'm in the doctor's office, and he's like, yep, your, your wrist is broken, and um, we're going to have to, it's actually healed up a little bit, so we're going to have to actually re-break it before we can set it. And he looked at my dad. He said, now, Mr. Fountain, um, we can take your son over, and we could uh, give him some uh, um, antibiotics and knock him out, we, or give him some uh, Yes, we can make him go to sleep. And then he said, or, and he looked right at me, or your son could be a man and just let me do it here. <laughs> really? Well, my dad, he knew me, and he, he knew I didn't like pain. And uh, he looked at the doctor. He said, how much would it cost to go to the, to the doctor or go across the street? How much would that cost? And the, and the doctor looked at my dad. He said, oh, it'd probably be about $150. My dad looked back at me, patted me on the shoulder, and said, he'll be a man. <laughs> so I, my dad took a handkerchief, put it in my mouth, and I'm biting down on this. My dad pulls out a comic book of Calvin and Hobbes. And my dad says, son, I'm going to try to get your mind off of this. And he starts reading on my left side. My dad is sitting there looking at me and just as calm as he could be. You know, my dad, he's just kind of there and just reading Calvin and Hobbes. So Calvin said, looking at me and laughing, and the doctor's over here working with my arm. And the doctor goes, okay. And he has my, has my wrist between his two hands. Matthew, chill, man. It wasn't, you weren't there. <laughs> The doctor's there, he's holding my wrist, 
And he looks, looks at me, looks at my dad, looks back at me and goes, one, two, snap! I will not repeat to you. I didn't curse. I just went, ah! And I screamed as loud as you could possibly scream. My mom was seven rooms down in a waiting room, and she heard me scream. Needless to say, when I left, I thought, I hate doctors. I'm never going back to a doctor again. So then when I became like 17, 18, and they're telling me that you have to go in for sports physicals and stuff like that, I'm like, no, I don't care. I'm not. 13 times when I was 10 years old, they poked me to find an IV. Doctor broke my wrist. He called me a wuss if I wouldn't get that. And, you know, I'm just going through all this stuff. And I just remember hating doctors. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you don't have those bad experiences, but I have yet to meet somebody who's like, oh, doctor time? Yeah, let's do it. We have yet, on Thursday nights, we have our prayer time and our praise time. I have yet to have somebody raise their hand and say, I've got a doctor's checkup this week, and I want to praise the Lord for it. I'm really looking forward to my doctor's checkup. I, we haven't yet. We've had people say, hey, praise the Lord. The doctor might be able to help me, but not, hey, I'm just so thankful that I get to go to the doctor this week. I wish it was tomorrow. I'm so excited. I mean, it's Wednesday. I have to sleep before then. I want to go now. We don't hear that. And here's why. We might have a bad experience, but more often than not, it's because we don't want to hear what they have to say. I don't know about you, but watching my dad go through cancer, I hate when he has to go in for a doctor's appointment. Why? Because I don't want to hear what the doctor has to say. But sometimes it's better for our health if we do hear it. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. Regardless of liking the doctor or not, I want us to go to the doctor of God's word, and I want us not to get a physical health checkup. I want us to get a spiritual health checkup. I want us to allow God's word to diagnose our heart, your heart, my heart, and I want to allow God's word to tell us, yes, you're healthy, or you know what, there's some spiritual things that you could work on. We're going to do it by going and checking in on the Lord giving a spiritual health checkup to the church at Ephesus. Church at Ephesus was an amazing, amazing church. But I believe that through the, physical, or through the spiritual health checkup that was given to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, I believe we can apply the same to us, and we too can get a spiritual health checkup. So let's do it this morning, a spiritual health checkup. I want you to notice, first of all, with me, when we think about this spiritual health checkup, let's look first of all at what I'm calling the roots of the church at Ephesus. The roots of the church at Ephesus. If you were to go to Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1, you read these words. Unto the church, unto the church of the, um, excuse me, unto the church of, excuse me, let's read this right. Revelation 2, 1. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, in order for us to understand this, we need to know who is the church at Ephesus. 
In order to really get a full scope of this, and we cannot do it, we don't have the time, you would go back to Acts chapter 18 and 19. You would read about Paul, he who was Saul, that was the Orthodox Jew that got saved and the Lord changed his life in Acts chapter 9. He would become a great missionary and a great church planter in Acts chapter 12 and 13 and continue on. Acts chapter 18, Paul enters into the city of Ephesus. He doesn't stay for very long. He leaves two of his friends, Aquila and Priscilla, Acts 19, Paul comes back to the city of Ephesus. There's a small group and gathering of Christians there. Aquila and Priscilla are leading it with a man by the name of Apollos. Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos led by this man, Paul. Paul would stay at Ephesus for over two years. He would stay at Ephesus for over two years preaching Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Acts 19 that many people believed. As a matter of fact, I think there's a good summary in Acts 19, verse 10 and 11 of the ministry that Paul had in Ephesus. It says this, and this continued, Paul going in and preaching, by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. I don't know about you, but I would call that an effective ministry. Here's Paul there preaching, and here's what happens. Everybody is hearing about God. That's what it says. Everybody in Asia, everybody in the area was hearing about God. Man, Paul was making a great impact. So God used Paul. God used Aquila and Priscilla. God would use the man Apollos. You would go and do some research and you'll find that God would also use uh, a young preacher boy by the name of Timothy in the church at Ephesus. You'll find in the book of uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that God would use John in the church at Ephesus. And so what I want us to understand is when uh, John writes to them in Revelation chapter number 2, the church at Ephesus, we need to know the roots, the starting. Okay, it started with Paul, but God would also use all of these people in their lives. Paul, Aquila, Priscilla, Apollos, Timothy, John, they were all instrumental in the church at Ephesus moving forward for God. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but if you know the word of God or have paid attention to scripture at all, you would understand that all of these names right here are some pretty strong Christians. Uh, Paul, probably the greatest missionary outside of Jesus that we know of. Um, Timothy, one of the boldest young men, preacher boys. John, boy, he walked with Jesus and God used him in this church's life. Aquila and Priscilla, Jews that were saved that would go and help start churches in Rome. Uh, Apollos, one that God would use to really establish and build the work at Corinth. Man, these are some great believers. So when I look at the church at Ephesus, I have to understand they have some good roots. Man, they've had some good people invest in them. Man, they've had some very strong, and if I could say it, some dynamite Christians that have poured their life into the church at Ephesus. The roots of Ephesus are strong roots. They had a good start. They had great training. You know, it's good to have good roots. I think about uh, my Christianity, and I have strong roots in my Christianity. What do I mean by that? I, I've got some good, if I can say it, patriarchs of the faith that have laid the way before me. Now, that's, that's my testimony. That might not be your testimony, but I look and I have a, 
a great-grandfather who helped establish dozens of churches. And I have my dad who's been in ministry, and my grandpa was in ministry, and my, uh, I have uncles that pastor, my brother-in-law, I have, I have ministry as kind of in our family, and I, I've got good roots personally. But I think about our church. I think our church has good roots. Well, what do you, what do you mean, Pastor Dennis? I, I think our church has good roots in the fact that our church is Bible-based, Man, we don't, we don't, uh, people that come in and want to preach, uh, or not want to preach, but people I ask to preach, hey, would you preach? They're not going to get up and say, hey, this is my opinion. They're going to get up and say, hey, this is what the Word of God says. That, that's some good roots. That's good. It is good to have good roots. All right, spiritual health checkup. First thought, the foundation of the church, the roots of the church. I would say it's pretty healthy. Man, it's a good church. Healthy church. Why? Good roots. They've got a good foundation. Notice, secondly, if you will, not only the roots of the church at Ephesus, but notice the reputation of the church at Ephesus. I want you to find out what's known about this church. Man, some great things are known about this church. Look with me, if you will, at verse number two. Here's what you read. This is the Lord through John writing to the church, and he says this, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried them, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my namesake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Man, in these verses we find the reputation of faithfulness and fruitfulness in this church. I mean, this church at Ephesus, this is the word of God. This is God speaking to them. And he says, hey, I've taken notice of some things that are going on in your place. Well, what did he say he's taken notice of? Well, Christ took notice of their works. You see where it says, I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. The word work, it means that which one undertakes to do. Enterprise, undertaking, an act, deed, or thing done. The word labor, it means intense labor united with trouble or toil. The word patience, it means steadfastness or constancy or endurance. The Lord says through John, hey, I've seen and I've taken notice that you are working and you are united in accomplishing your tasks and you're consistent. Man, what a great testimony. What a great statement said. Wouldn't you like someone to say that about you parenting? Man, those of you parents, wouldn't you like someone to say, hey, I've noticed your consistency in parenting. That'd be a good compliment. Wouldn't you like someone to say that with your job? Yeah, I, I want someone to look at the way I work day in and day out of my business and be able to say, man, you're a consistent businessman or a consistent businesswoman. Boy, you're consistent. I, I noticed that you're not lazy. That'd be nice to be said. Man, I notice that you're not lazy. You kind of, you just kind of are working a lot. That's a good compliment. That's what the Lord's saying to this church. I notice your work, your labor, and your consistency, your patience, your endurance, your constantness. He said, I noticed your works, but secondly, he said, I've noticed your stand. If you notice the phrase, it says, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. This is the Lord writing to this church and saying, hey, I've noticed that you have distanced yourself from falsehood. I've noticed that you have taken a stand 
against sin. And you've taken a stand with the word of God. And if you look, it says, thou canst not bear them which are evil. You're separate from sin. You're standing against sin. And then you've tried them which say they're apostles and are not. And you found them as liars. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, hey, when someone comes and says, hey, uh, we're here to declare the word of God. You compare them to what you know to be true in the word of God. And if they're not telling the truth, you found them to be liars. And you're bold enough to call them out. Man, what a, that's a good testimony. That's a good testimony. Why? Because this tells me this is a church that knew the word of God. This tells me this is a church that they knew what they believed and why they believed it. It tells me they were a church that they had conviction and they understood that, you know what, we're not going to be like James said, one that's wavering to and fro. No, we are going to be steadfast in what we believe and we're not going to be ashamed about it. That's what, that's what the Lord's saying to them. Hey, I've noticed that you've taken a stand. You've stood against sin and you've stood against false teachers. Can I tell you that you might have to make that stand? I think every one of us should take the stand against sin. Preached that message two weeks ago. I won't re-preach it, but go back, go get the message online. Romans chapter six, let God give you victory over sin. Don't be bound to it. Don't every day just give in to the flesh. Understand that it's a fight, but you have to be intentional in it. And we need to know this and understand, listen, we need to understand that God wants to give you victory over sin. So every one of us need to stand against sin, but we also need to stand against false teachers. Listen, you might have somebody at work come up and say, hey, here's what I think about eternity. Here's what I think about my religious leader. Listen, you should be able to go to the Word of God and say, that's not what God thinks. Someone might say, you know, I, I go to a church and, and I, I, I believe that you have to get baptized in order to go to heaven. You should be able to take the Word of God and say, that's not what God says. And take a stand against some false teachers. Well, I believe that I have to go to confessional and I have to go through a priest in order to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Word of God says. What is that? That's not being rude. That's just taking a stand. And you can do it with some grace, can't you? And we can take a stand with some grace. We might need some Christians that are like these believers at Ephesus. What a strong church. Remember, John, they're standing against sin, they're standing against false teachers. They're calling, they're calling sin what it is, and I love what, what uh, the Lord said to him. He says, uh, thou hast tried them that say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. There, there's no beating around that, is there? Uh, that's not in the Bible. You're lying. That's bold, but that's what they were doing. Man, what a good reputation. The Lord says, I see your work. Hey, you guys are laboring. You're consistent. I've seen your stand. Hey, I've seen your courage. The phrase, and hast born, it means to take up the cause. So I look at this church at Ephesus, and Jesus writes to them and says, hey, you've taken up the cause of Christ. You've borne the cause of Christ. You've put on the, the cause of Christ. You're not backing down. You are bold with the cause of Christ. Hey, listen, church at Ephesus, there are some great things going on there. Man, you're courageous. You have stood up for the name of Jesus. You have borne his cause. I know your works. I know your stand. I know your courage. I know your consistency. 
He's already talked about this a little bit, but then he highlights it again. Hey, you have patience. The word patience in scripture is not like we would use. We would use the word patient to mean to just kind of sit and be my patiently waiting for pastor to be done so I can go eat lunch. <laughs> but that's not the word patient. The word patient, it means to endure or to continue doing what I know to do continually. It means I just keep going. To endure, to have a steadfastness, to have constancy. He says to this church, hey, I know your work, your labor, and your consistency. I know your stand. I know your courage. Oh, by the way, did I tell you I know your consistency? Hey, you guys are consistent. You've heard me say it many times uh, here at our church that I think one of the number one characteristics a Christian should strive for in their life is, is consistency. Work to be consistent. Consistently in the word of God. Consistently at church. Consistently reaching people, consistently give, just work at consistency. Why? Because consistency helps me grow and take steps of faith. It's just part of this whole thing called Christianity. Now, what a great reputation. Wouldn't you like to be known for consistency? Well, yeah. Here's this church. They're known for consistency. Now, I'll just ask you, would you agree that this church, I mean, so far, they've got good roots. They've got a great reputation I would look at this church and say, spiritually, they're doing pretty well. I mean, think about it. Health-wise, they're doing pretty well. What else did the Lord recognize about this church? Well, he said, I noticed your stand, and I noticed your courage. I noticed your, your consistency. He said, but I've also noticed your desire. Your desire is in the phrase, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. For my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. He's saying, hey, you've exhausted yourself for Jesus Christ and for his glory and for his name, and you've not fainted. You've not grown weary under the weight or the burdens or the pressures. You are doing things for the glory of God, and that's why we should do some things, and you are moving forward. Your church at Ephesus, you are doing awesome. When you look at the phrase, and hast not fainted, if you look in Acts 19, in Acts 20, the church at Ephesus came under great persecution. Uh, you'll remember that there was an uproar of the silversmiths. They were making the goddess of Diana, and they said, hey, this guy Paul is preaching against these idols that we're making, and he's hindering, our, he's hindering my pocketbook. Man, he's taking money right out of my wallet. Why? Because people are no longer buying idols, because he's preaching that this guy Jesus can save. And you can go and you read the, read the account. This church was facing persecution. And yet John writes back to him, hey, you've taken up the cause of Christ and for the name of Jesus, you've been persecuted and you haven't fainted. Man, what a good testimony. What a reputation. What a reputation this church had. I mean, think about it in your life. What would you want the Lord to notice about your Christianity. Man, what a reputation this church had. Here's the Lord noticing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want the Lord just to come to Dennis Fountain and say, yeah, you're doing all right. I want to know like, all right, what am I doing all right in? Man, what a great testimony if the Lord would come and say, hey, I've noticed your stand. I noticed, I noticed that you separate from sin. I noticed that you're working and laboring. Hey, I've noticed that you're consistent. 
Boy, I've noticed that you've had some great courage for me. I noticed that you have an awesome desire to glorify me. Boy, I know a number of Christians in this room that would agree with me that that, that'd be a great statement from the Lord. So this church at Ephesus, great roots, they've got a good reputation, but then you come to verse number four. And you read the very first word, and it's the word, nevertheless. Nevertheless. We see the roots of the church at Ephesus, the reputation of the church at Ephesus, but notice, thirdly, the rebuke of the church at Ephesus. Because here's what's said, and don't miss it. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Hey, you've got good roots. Hey, you've got a great reputation, man. You guys are, you are doing well. But I found a small little problem right here. Hey, your spiritual health checkup, it's going really well, but uh, there's, there's something that came up on the x-rays and we need to address it. What came up on the x-ray for this church at Ephesus? Look what he says, Revelation 2, 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. The Lord says to this church through John, hey, you have a lot of things going for you. But I see something that's happening that shouldn't be. I have one area that I'm concerned about. There's something that showed up on the x-rays that we need to correct. All right, John, what's the area? You've left your first love. The word left, it means you've gone away from. You've departed from one and left him behind to himself so that all mutual claims are abandoned. The word leave, it means you have deserted wrongfully. You have wrongfully deserted or left your first love. Here's what John is saying to them. The Lord's saying to them through John. Hey, listen, you're getting the task done but you have the wrong motives. Hey, uh, you've abandoned, you've departed and abandoned the motive of love. You've left your first love. There's something driving or pushing those actions and they're, they're good actions. You have a good reputation, but it's not a love for me that's driving you. You are not in love with the Lord like you should be. You see, you used to love me and I used to be seated on the throne of your heart, but you left me, you've departed, you've abandoned the motive of love. Now question, couldn't the church at Ephesus, couldn't they just kind of say, oh, John, 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 wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Didn't you just say that we were doing all these things right? And John would say, yeah. The Lord sees the good. Maybe the church at Ephesus would say, well, then why is it such a big problem that our first love isn't where it should be? And John would take time to help them understand that you can do all the work in the world for the Christianity and for the Lord, but listen, if you serve the Lord without the motive of love, you've missed it. I'm going to say it again. If you, if you and I, if we serve the Lord, if we go through Christianity without the motive of love, we've missed it. 
You've missed it. And the church at Ephesus, they missed it. They were doing, but not loving. They were executing, but not loving. They were accomplishing great things, but not loving. Hey, church at Ephesus, you got great roots. Hey, you've got a great reputation. But here's the rebuke. You're doing it all without loving. One man said it this way, this busy, separated, sacrificing church really suffered from heart trouble. They had abandoned their first love. They have all those great characteristics, and yet they were missing the main motive. These Ephesians believers, they were so busy maintaining their operation and their separation that they were neglecting adoration. You see, and the fact is, if we miss the motivation of love, we've missed it all. Here's how Jesus put it in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen, this church had the actions down, but their actions were not coming from a heart of love. Their, their motive could have been good. Their motives could have been good motives. I mean, you think about it. The motive, they could have said, you know what? We have the motive. We want to, the motivation of being consistent. That's a, that's a good motive. And they could have had the motive of being a, a, the desire to, um, excuse me, to, to labor and to work. That could have been a good motive. We have the motive of accomplishing things for God. We've got the motive of standing against sin. We've got the motive of just continuing the cause of Christ. I've got the motive of exalting the name of Jesus. All of those are good motives, but they're not the best motive. And the Lord is interested in the best motive. Love him. Listen. Don't miss, if you miss anything today, do not miss this. Let the life you live flow from a heart that loves. Let the life you live flow from a heart that loves. Can I just bring this down to us right now? You and I, we can go to church. Man, it's good to be in church. I believe Hebrews 10.25 tells us to be faithful to church. We can go to church. We can get up, sing a special. We could worship in our, our singing. We could be involved, serve in the nursery, be an usher, man, be a greeter. I can go on outreach. At work this week, you could be the most Christian employer or employee there is. Man, this week, there, no foul words come out of your mouth. This week, a great spirit. This week, people looking at you and you are accomplishing the Christian life. You know, I mean, just, I'm doing it. I'm, man, I'm living it. But if you do it without the motive of a love for the Lord, you've missed it. You can give in the offering, but if you give without loving, you've missed it. You can tell people about Jesus, but if you tell without loving, you've missed it. You can serve, but if you serve without loving, you've missed it. I can preach, but if I preach without loving, I've missed it. And here's what the Lord said through John to the church. Wow, you all are doing great. You're doing great. Nevertheless, I've got somewhat against thee. You've missed it. 
you're not, you've left the first love. The rebuke. I don't like going to the doctor. Why? I don't like what I'm going to hear. <laughs> Couldn't we have stopped at like verse number three, Pastor? Man, great church, accomplishing great things. And they could have said the same thing. You see, you and I, we can have good motives, but not the best motive. And the Lord desires for us to serve him always out of a heart of love. So here's this church. Strong roots, a good reputation, but then we come to this rebuke. But it doesn't stop there. Notice verse number five where we find the remedy for the church at Ephesus. All right, we've got the doctor's report. Doctor's reported in, the x-ray's in. There's some heart issues. All right, doc, what's the medication? All right, doc, what, what needs to happen? What's the remedy? All right, Lord, what's the remedy? And here's where the Lord would say, verse number five, notice it. Says this, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. The remedy is threefold very quickly. Number one, remember. The word remember, it means call to mind the place that you've left. Hey, the word remember, it means to uh, bring to my mind where it all started. The word remember, it means to keep on remembering, keep calling to the fact that this whole relationship thing with God, it's based on love. Listen, remember that you can love him because he first loved you. I want you to understand, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, where did your relationship start? It started at the cross. Your relationship did not start because you and and I have something to offer God. No, my relationship with God started because God intentionally loved me. He intentionally cared for me. He intentionally sent his son to die for me. He intentionally reached out to me. He intentionally gave me the Holy Spirit. He intentionally said, listen, I am dying for you so that you can have a relationship with me. And when you and I, when, when we get saved, we're not just saved from the penalty of sin. You're not just saved from eternity in hell. No, you are saved to a relationship with God. And when you trusted Christ as Savior, Romans 8, you and I, we become the literal child of God. And the Romans 8, 15, I received the spirit of adoption whereby I cry, Abba, Father, or my dear Father. And what we need to understand this morning is one of the best things that will help you and I have the motive of love is remember from whence thou art fallen. What does that mean? Go back to the cross. Go back to the tomb. Go back to where it started. Man, you ever waver? Maybe, you're, maybe you look at your life and you've been serving, but it's kind of been a checklist. Or you've been giving, but it's kind of just been because people expect. Or I've been going to church because my husband or my wife or my parents want me to. Go back to the cross and let's remember how much he loves us. You see, because John said it this way. We can love him because he first loved us. It all started with love. Man, you ever stop Having a desire to get in the Word of God? Go back to the cross. You ever stop having a desire to pray and spend time with Him? Go back to the cross. Man, remember from whence thou art fallen. Remember. Go back to the cross. Remember. What's the second step in the remedy? Well, the second step is repent. We don't like that word. Men especially. I'll give you three words that would be uh, synonyms to repent. I, 
was <coughs> I was wrong. Repent means admit that your, your direction isn't the right direction. Let's put that thought into context of the passage. Hey, you've got some great things going for you. You're accomplishing, but I have somewhat against thee because you've left thy first love. So what do I need to do? Remember where it started and then repent, admit, I'm not going that direction. Admit, repent, Lord, I realize that I've been serving and giving and going and reaching and attending and I've been accomplishing all of these things, but with the wrong motive, I admit I am wrong. That's what repent means. Remember, remember, listen, remember, repent, but it doesn't stop there. Here's the third step. Remember, repent. The third step is return. Here's the phrase. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works. Return to the motive of love. Do where it all started. Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. I want you to just think in your own heart. When you first trusted Jesus as Savior, those of you that know Christ as Savior, when you first trusted him, do you remember that desire that was there? Man, it was like, I just can't get enough of this. And maybe, maybe you had a pastor that you'd go to and you'd say, Pastor, where should I read next? Maybe you had a friend that told you about the Lord. You went to them and said, all right, what do I do next? Like, man, this is awesome. Who can I tell? Maybe you were like some in here that they went to work the next day and said, hey, guess what? Man, I received Jesus in my life. Why'd you tell somebody that? Because the first work was the work of loving. You realized, I just want to love him. Man, he died for me. I just want to love him back. He gave everything to me. I just want to love him back. But here's what happens. Is you and I, over time, we continue accomplishing, but we do it for the wrong reasons. We continue accomplishing, but it's not out of a heart that loves. What do we do then? Remember, repent, and return. Get back to doing things and accomplishing things for the Lord, not because you have to, not just because you have good intentions, but because you love him. Because if we don't, here's what's said. Look at verse number five. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Can I just tell you, some people, they would like to take that and they would like to say, see, if you don't serve the Lord with love, then he's removing salvation from you. That's not true. That would contradict all of Scripture. But here's what we need to understand. When I am serving and it's not out of a heart of love, God will remove his power from my life. His presence will be there, but he will not be using me to the full potential that he wants to because I'm doing it with the wrong motive. I love this statement. A man said it this way. The church that loses its love 
will soon be losing its light as well. And here's the thought. When a church or a believer, listen up here, don't worry about that. When a church or a believer loses the right motivation of love, they will eventually lose their effectiveness for the Lord. Believer, let me tell you this. I believe that this passage can be one of the most convicting passages. And here's why. It is easy to accomplish with the wrong motive. It is easy to get things done without that motive of love. And so I wanna ask you today to do, let the Lord take his word and do a spiritual health checkup. And I wanna ask you, not what would pastors say, how would the Lord say you're doing? You're here on a Sunday morning. Is it because you love him? You read your Bible this week. Is it because you love him? Don't answer out loud. I want you to think about your heart. And don't answer the answer that you think. What would the Lord answer? Because I know when I examine my own heart, there are times that I'm guilty of having good motives, but not the best motive. What do I do then? Remember, repent, and return. Before I close today, let me close with this thought. Maybe you're here and you don't have the motive of love for the Lord in your life because the Lord isn't in your life. I wanna ask you this today. Do you know for sure that you have a relationship with God? Do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that Jesus Christ is your savior? Are you 100% sure? If you're here and you don't know that, I wanna encourage you today before we close to allow us to take the Bible. We'll show you from God's word how you can know you're going to heaven. Believer, if you're here and you know Christ is your savior, I just wanna ask you this question. How's your heart? How's your heart? Are you doing it because of love? Or are you just kind of going through the motions? I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed today. And as we come to this time of invitation, this is a chance where we respond to the Lord. I just want to ask you, how's your heart today? Let the Lord do that spiritual health check. And if you look in your heart this morning and you'd be honest, maybe there's been some wrong motives. During our invitation today, I encourage you to come. But before we pray for our invitation, I want to ask you this question. Are you 100% sure if you died today, you're going to heaven? Do you know it? If you're here and you'd be honest, Pastor Dennis, I know for sure that I'm going to heaven. I've received Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, I know that. Just right up, right back down. Now, maybe you're here and you could not raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you by name, but I would like to pray for you. And if that's you, Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna come to you right now, but I would like to pray. If that's you, would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, that I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. Now, believer, if God's spoken to you today and there's some issues in your heart, some wrong motives, then today during invitation, I wanna encourage you to come. Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Help us to respond to you as you've spoken to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.